Well, I'm talking today about Psalm 51, just to kind of give you a little bit of background. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David wrote, King David in the Old Testament, that David wrote after his sin with, with Bathsheba, adultery, uh, the lying that he did before and after, deception, cover-up, uh, the murder that he did to try to cover up of her husband, one of his faithful men. Um, he, after that, it's, uh, he wrote Psalm 51. We're going to go look at that in just a moment. Very quickly, some of you, I know I can hear some of your, some of your brains. Some of, your, some of you are thinking, well, if you come here regularly, you're thinking, oh, Rich, you always want to talk about David. You're right, I do, okay? Um, however, this, just so you know, this particular um, message, um, or theme, not the same message, but the theme, the idea of Psalm 51, David, uh, Clay was actually going to teach this message because he wanted to give a little different perspective, which I thought would be a great idea when we were talking about it uh, a few months ago. And, uh, but he couldn't do that. He, uh, I don't know if you know that, he was riding his tricycle, I mean his bicycle, and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, he was riding his bicycle, and he did have an accident earlier this this week. And uh, pretty, I mean, cracked his helmet, so that's pretty serious, and uh, cracked a rib as well. And he told me the other day, we were talking on the phone, and he said, you know, I, I think I'm operating on about half a brain. And I said, now you know how I feel. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that's the, you're living in my world now, because I'm about half yours. But... Uh, He's fine, He'll, and he's going to be here. He's either here or he's going to be one of the services today, but just couldn't, uh, didn't have the wherewithal to really do all the prep that he needed to do and so forth to talk. So I get the opportunity again, and I'm grateful because I do love David. I do love, he is, it's going to sound weird, he's my, kind of my guy. And, uh, and, uh, and he, he, Psalm 51, a couple of weeks ago I talked about David and, and his confrontation with the, the preacher, the prophet at the time, Nathan. And how that went, and then he wrote uh, one of the psalms that he wrote after he knew that he received forgiveness. I purposely left out Psalm 51, uh, thinking Clay was going to be talking about this week. But um, so we talked about that. But but what I wanted, so here was my here's just to kind of take you into my little world uh, a little bit. Here was my once I realized this was going to happen. Here was my dilemma. Um, I talk about David a lot, and, I, and I've given the David and Bathsheba story just like two weeks ago, if you were here for that. Um, but yet, in our kind of church, at Renaissance, there are always going to be a few people. You're either new, or maybe you missed that Sunday two weeks ago, or, or been on vacay, or whatever. There's always going to be a few people who maybe not may not have a clear recollection of the story of David and Bathsheba, or or maybe you don't know that much about it, or maybe you saw all the movie, which was horrible, and and you know don't know all the facts. So I think it's always important to kind of go back over the facts, just so you know exactly what happened according to the Bible. So here was my thing. I thought, how can I do this in a creative, different way and just take a, a, a brief amount of time to do that so I don't bore those of you who are here all the time with the details of the David and Bathsheba story. Not that any of them are boring, but um, just sick minds like mine at least. But uh, So here's what I decided to come up with. I thought, I will give it to you in rhyme. I was going to, I was going to do a rap, but I'm like... <laughs> I would never do rap. I'm far too sophisticated. Uh, I'm far too refined uh, uh, to do a rap. So I just thought, poetry. That's more me. Poetry. And so I started this poem. And what do those writers call it? Block? Um, I, I got going pretty good with it. And then I got a few lines down. And I'm like, ah. Oh, so I, I brought it, what I had, Thursday night. 
We have a Thursday night group. That we talk about that all the time. And, uh, after, and always after Thursday night group at 8 o'clock, we go down to Winberry's, and we've been on the deck on these nice nights on the uh, patio. And uh, so I had a couple ladies. I said, hey, I gave him my iPad. I said, here, take this and help me with this poem. I, I can't. I'm having a hard time. Help me. I'm just think through this. So, so I don't know if they're, I don't, I, um, Raquel was here earlier, if you, don't, if you know who Raquel is. Is uh, Alex or Maria here? Raise your hand if you are. Okay, they'll be in the next service. So those, those three, if you know who they are, if you don't know who they are, don't worry about it. But uh, they, they helped me. I want to give credit. I don't want to take all the credit for this incredible piece of prose. But um, so here we go. The story of David and Bathsheba in rhyme. First, first time, well, second time in public. The first time was at 9 o'clock. Um, this is uh, pretty amazing. You ready? Okay. David was his name. King was his game. And the king had fame. But he was far from tame. And then the day came, while smoking a cigar on his terrace, a young hottie's frame caught his eye and would soon embarrass Bathsheba was her name, and skinny dipping was her game. (laughs) She was about to bring the king's greatest shame. Because her husband was away at war, David called Bathsheba to his front door. Having no choice, his doorbell to ring, she did what she had to do with a well-known king. Because the two failed to use protection, their strange affection led to conception. To set up deception, the king called for her man to skew the public's perception, furthering his plan. When her husband came home to stay with his wife, King David thought the husband would go in that night. For loyalty to his men, to his wife, he said no. So back to the war with his friends, he did go. The husband's nobility to the king was a stun. The king's plan of deception had now come undone. So to the front lines, David sent her man. To kill her husband was his plot and new plan. Alas, her husband was killed, and the king thought no one knew. And then the prophet exclaimed, my king, what did you do? See what you missed? You could have been part of that. You could have been part of that composition. Uh, that's the story of David and Bathsheba. It really is right there. And um, after that, after this confrontation with the prophet who said, what did you do? And, of course, he knew what he did and said, thou art the man, O King David, you sin. David wrote the most prolific, in my view, one of the most prolific psalms ever written. Psalms were songs, S-O-N-G-S, at the time. And he wrote this, this and you can, just, you can just feel his heart. I started to say, I started writing my notes, and I thought how stupid it sounded. I started writing my notes. I just want you to get this one thing out of this message today, what confession really means. And then I thought, that's just one, that's huge. I mean, it's not just one, if you get that, then... I mean, it's going to really make a difference in your life and in your relationship with Christ. Because this, is, this, this shows you confession. Because I, I, I fear sometimes we sometimes think of confession as, well, God, here I am again, and, and I'm confessing my sin, and, and maybe it wasn't 
adultery or, or lying or, or murder, or maybe I, I just thought about it, uh, which is also a sin, by the way, according to the way Jesus defined it. Uh, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was the way I, I reacted to, and, 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 and spoke down to a person. Maybe it was the way I treated a, a service person. Maybe it was the way I treated my wife or my husband or the way I spoke to them. Maybe it, was, maybe it was the way I dealt with my kids or my relatives or, or others. Um, if you get the understanding of what this confession really means, it's just amazing. And, uh, and that's, what I'm, that's what I'm really trying to accomplish today, really. Uh, just that one thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Psalm. I'm going to show it to you. We're going we're to look at Psalm 51, first in the New Living Translation. And uh, just kind of get, just I'll make a few comments, just to try to get the feel for what was going on here in David's heart and, and mind. And then I want to show it to you in another translation I like, a paraphrase called The Message. And then we'll, um, and I'll just make two or three comments and we'll be out and we've got a great song to kind of close things out with that'll, that'll help us with that. So here we go. Psalm 51, uh, New Living Translation, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. This guy's just crying out, God, purify me. I am such a butthead, or worse. I'm just so bad. Look, look, verse 3, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. At this point, David, David isn't realizing whether he's going to really be forgiven. We know that now because we live in, in the age of grace. Jesus has come. He's died for our sins. He lives again. He didn't know that at this particular time because of the system that they lived under. So he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be forgiven. Verse 5, for I, I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. For you desire honest, honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Watch this. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. And then, and then he goes into some more, and you get the impression, and I know this. I know this feeling. I've had it. I'm not proud to say it, but I've had it. When, you, when you've sinned, and you know you've sinned, and you just kind of let it linger inwardly for a long period of time. It affects your moods. It affects, you don't even, you don't even feel like you can have experienced happiness or joy. And, and, um, and look, what he, look what he prays in verse 8. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't keep looking at my sins. David is thinking, God, you're looking at me, and all you're looking at is just just the sin that I've done, the sins that I've committed. And if, if God spoke at that particular time, he would have said, I'm not looking at your sins. We get, to the, we get into that rut and we think that. And we think, oh, God's just looking at my, I'm such a worm. I'm such a wretch. And I know that's all you're seeing, God. And God, it's, it's as if God says, because we know what the Bible teaches, no, that's not what I see. When you've trusted Christ, I see the righteousness that he has put in you, even though it's in a positional sense. It may not always be practiced, but it's there. I see, I see what Christ did for you. I see your faith in him, not your sinfulness. 
And, uh, and that's, that's, that's what he's experiencing here. Remove the stain of my guilt. I just got this guilt going on. Verse 11, don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. He says, you know, Lord, help me. And I'll even take the grace that I receive from you and help others see the truth. We see that. I see that a lot with people who've been through some very difficult times. Maybe they're in recovery. And they're so many times used in some really key ways to help others who are, who are struggling with, with whether it be drugs or alcohol or, or other kinds of addictions that people can, can acquire over the years and so forth. And that's what David is saying, saying, you know what, I've, I've, been, I've been pretty bad. I've done some bad things. God, forgive me, please, and I'll use that to help others. And he does later on. He goes on, he says in verse 14, Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You, would do, you, you do not want a burnt offering. Here's what God wants right here. here. You want to know what God wants from us? Right here it is. Verse 17, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Oh, God. Didn't want all the sacrifices, but want all the go this, do this, say this, do this. He said, I want your heart to be broken because of your own selfishness and your own sinfulness and to come to me in true repentance and faith. That's all he wants. It's amazing. Yet people still sometimes have a hard time with that. I want to take you to the uh, message translation. Paraphrase, actually. Say, I'm going to not take all those verses. I'm going to take a few of them and just show them to you because it just kind of elucidates a little bit, explains a little bit, kind of makes it even more, uh, for me, it's a little more real, a little more earthy. The, the, the writer here, the translator, Eugene Peterson, I think just does a great job with this. Look what he says here. Let's go back. Verse 1. Generous in love, God, give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad records. Scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. In his case, he had a lot of sins that could stare him down. Lying, deception, cover-up, adultery, murder. I mean, whatever the sin is where you betray a faithful friend, uh, Uriah, that Bathsheba's husband, was one of his one of his faithful men. He'd been with him for years, over twenty years. One of his faithful men before he'd been king. This is a guy he knew. There were like there were just twenty, around twenty, that were his faith. David's mighty men. They're called in the, in the Old Testament. He was one of those guys. And and David slept with his wife, and then said, put the guy put the guy on the front line so he could he could get killed. So he could not. Be, so David would not be found out. There's a whole bunch of sins in that. I mean, a whole bunch. So when he says, "My sins are staring me down," you say, "Well, okay, Rich, I understand that, but but you know what? I, I didn't do that. I'm not that bad." Well, first of all, you are. Just because you didn't do these particular actions doesn't mean you're not. Because Jesus, as I said, he says, "If you if, if you if you've had the thoughts, you're still guilty." Now, you may not have the same consequences, thankfully. But you're still guilty. But your, yours might be different. Yours might be 
anger. It might be alcohol. It might be drugs. It might be, uh, you know, flipping people off in traffic. Uh, You know? A, A number of different issues that we could talk about here that we minimize, don't we? But those are the still sins against a holy God. And, and what we need to stop and reflect and think about is, God, those things are still staring me down. If I don't come to the cross of Christ, thanking Him for His suffering, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, to forgive me, just me, for my sins. I keep reading this, it just gets made. You're the one I violated, and you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been, look, I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the, in the wrong since I, before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me, come into my life. Then conceive a true, a new, true life. Amazing stuff. And then he says, don't throw me out, I love this part, don't throw me out with the trash or fail, even though I feel like I am. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can find their way home. So, yes, what I mentioned earlier, give me a job. I want to teach others who've, who've struggled. Here's what God, well, here it is again, different wording. What does God want from me? Here it is, watch this. Going through the motions doesn't please you, oh God. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I've learned God worship when my pride was shattered, heart-shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. What you want is a heart that is broken because of its own sinfulness, but it's healed and restored because of its trust in Christ. That's what you want, God. Inside job, an inside job. Three things, very quickly, I want to show, I just want to share with you and try to wrap this up a little bit for us here. Three things. The first thing is this heartfelt confession feels the pain. When one confesses their sins, it's not just some cursory thing. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I, I, I sinned. It's like, oh, Lord, I, I can't believe I did that again. I'm, I'm bad. I'm just a sinful jerk. Desperately in need of grace. That can only come one place. From Christ. Heartfelt confession feels that pain. Heartfelt confession desires to change. Desires to change. Um, I all my life in ministry, people have said, "Well, if I if I if I have a, if I sin and I confess it, can I just come to God and ask Him for forgiveness?" Yeah, and then and just go do it again. Well, you might, but the idea is when it's true confession is. I'm, I, seek, I seek change. I want to change. Because I don't like the pain that I've caused myself as well as others around me through this. Because it's always, and, and most importantly to God. 
And, 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 you know, and, and, and please don't misunderstand. I, I realize there are some sins that, you, that we all, certain ones, not the same one, but certain ones that we struggle with at different, different seasons in our life. And, and that's not saying that, that we won't have a struggle because we're never going to reach perfection. We're not. Not in this life. There's a whole, there's a whole uh, group of uh, Christians, believers. And it, doctrinally, it's a big issue uh, in some churches. It's uh, not as much as it used to be. They call it sinless perfection where they believe you can get to the point of where you have sinless perfection. It's ridiculous, ridiculous theology. It's ridiculous thinking. And, um, but there are people who believe that. That wasn't very kind, was it? Well, anyway, um, it's true. But if I had a, I had a, actually, I had a relative who, who went to a church like that, and, and he would just, oh, yeah, and, and, he, and I was even, I was much younger, and when I was, used to be obnoxious, they, they, they would come, we'd be talking, and when I, we'd be back in Ohio, and, and, uh, and he would always, you know, say, oh, yeah, I believe in sinless perfection. In our church, we teach sinless perfection. And I knew just how to pull his buttons. And I would annoy him until he'd start cussing. And I'd go, ha, see? We don't have that sinless perfection, do we? That's how bad I am. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> somebody said to me after the early service, you can even make a sinless person cuss, huh? And I said, yeah, pretty much. But there's no such thing as sinless perfection. We have struggles. So when I say heartfelt confession desires to change, there's going to be change. There might be some struggles along the way, and it might be one of those things that for a period of time, a long period of time, might haunt us, but we're going to see some progress as we yield to God's Spirit who lives in us. So heartfelt confession feels the pain, desires to change. Heartfelt confession brings the gain. It always brings the gain. It just, it, I mean, heartfelt confession is never, ever, ever rejected by Christ. That's how we experience forgiveness. That's how we experience fullness of the blessing of God. When we come to God and confess and, we, and just, just let it out, just pour it out before God. In whatever wording you, you are comfortable with, just pouring it out to God. I have no doubt that when David was praying some of these things, he probably used words that weren't socially acceptable just to say, God, help me, I'm such a whatever. And you know, God's like, may not approve of the language, but I I love the heart. That's what he's asking. That's confession. That's what all of us need. Not once, not twice, but every day. And sometimes several times a day. I want to pray for us. I'm going to ask Sophia and Steve and the guys to come up. Uh, they've got a great song to just kind of cap this off for us and cement it into our hearts and minds. And as they're coming, let me just pray. Lord God, these are just valuable, valuable truths. And it is only through your spirit and that, that we're able to, to comprehend that and really get a, get a, get a grasp on these things, and I pray, God, that we'd be able to do just that. We are grateful, God, for your love and for your grace, for, for the fact that as we come to your, the cross of Christ, we have forgiveness as we confess, not just our, our sinful actions, but some of the things that we, we didn't do that we should have. We thank you for that, Lord, and we, th- we just pray that we would just be united with you uh, in, in every way as we live our lives so that our lives will be different 
because of that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.